24 hours together. Uh, not consecutive, of course. We'll give you some sleep. <laughs> <laughs> but it's great to have, uh, looks like with a show of hands, we've got quite a few people from Kona. That's great. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll see the place fill up tomorrow. <laughs> uh, we're just interested, how many of you are familiar with Restoration International? Just raise your hands. Nobody. Okay. All good. All right. Well, that'll be fun. <laughs> Have any of you seen our program on 3ABN, Marriage in God's Hands? All right. That's good. Well, we've got a very fresh audience here. Well, as Leroy shared, our, our ministry really focuses on restoring the individual in relationship with God practically, how that affects the marriage, and then in the home with our children. From there, it naturally flows out to the church and flows out into our communities. But for many of us, and for us, for until God got a hold of us and got our eyes beginning to open, <laughs> we get our priorities mixed up. And while we would say that God is first, um, you know, if we had to, if we had to really confess, at least in our in our previous lifestyle and our busy medical careers, God didn't get much time, okay? We, we would say that God was first, but God was being crowded out of our lives. And when it came to our marriage, we loved each other, but didn't have too much time, did we? And the children felt like it was, can we do something together later? We're busy right now. And we came to realize that this is not what real Christianity is about. This is not what the gospel is intended to be. And so for the last 20, how many years, my wife? Three keeps, years. 23, 23 years. years. <laughs> we've been involved in working together as God has been restoring our own lives and family. Our children are now grown. Two of them are married. Um, and... 30, oldest is 30 and our youngest is 25. It's amazing how quickly they grow up seeing some of these little ones here. Make the most of it, parents. Capture the moments. <laughs> because before you know it, they grow up so quick, don't they? They do. Well, we're talking about family first tonight, and it really has a double meaning. We are part of God's family, aren't we? And because of his great love for us, even though we messed up, he loved us so much. We were first in his heart that he was willing to send his son, Jesus Christ, to this world Amen. to save us. You think we're important to him? Amen. Absolutely. He loves the family. He created the family. And he wants the family to be united in him. He wants us to be happy in our homes here on this, in this earth, on this world. And he wants us in our families to encourage one another to prepare for our heavenly home so we can ever be a big family with God, right? So that's the first meaning. Tonight we're going to focus on the reality of our families. And I mean, everybody here in this church tonight is a member of a family. Your family member may not be sitting beside you, but you have a family. 
So we want to focus on our families because we know that everything around us in society, it is so intense. It is so pushed and pressed. And even in the islands, which you don't, <clears throat> I mean, you have it here, not somewhat, it may be as strong as we may see it in some of the mainland areas. But nonetheless, things are happening that begin to pressure families, to, to demand families to spend time in other places that really has a destructive effect upon the family. So we want to focus on the family. We have some questions we want to ask you. This is going to be some interaction tonight. We're just warming you up for what's ahead tomorrow morning. So we have a question for you. This is a thought question, but we want you to answer it honestly, okay? We're going to give you a grade of 1 to 10. So you don't want to say it out loud. No. Well, maybe. Maybe if you want to say it out loud, that would even be better, huh? Well, if they're willing. Sure. Okay. If you're willing, speak <laughs> right up. We want you to rate the importance of your family. One being not too important or not important to a 10 is very important, most important. Okay. You got the, the grade area there. So anywhere between 1 and 10, where would you classify what you believe is the importance of your family? I hear a 10. I hear, I hear a nod of a 10. Okay. Anybody else want to say? Yeah. Another 10. Yeah. 10, yes. Lots of 10s, right? Okay. That's where we would put it in our, in our family, too. And that's what we used to always say, you know, God first, and then our family is so important. But like Tom shared, in reality, because of the busyness of life and the responsibilities of life, it wasn't happening. So the second question, and you can answer this out loud also. <laughs> this will get a little harder. <laughs> <laughs> We're all in agreement. Let's put a big 10 at the top, right? This is, when we speak of, of making Christianity practical, this is what we needed in our own hearts. And when God began to show us the contrast between what we professed because we can profess a lot of things. We can be sincerely, philosophically, 100% in favor of something, and it can have very little impact in our lives. So, here's the second question. Because we know all of you think that family is a 10, how much time did you spend with the members of your family, okay, whether that's your husband, your wife, your children, how much time did you spend with them together from last Friday night to this Friday night? Now that's a that's a you have to think about that a little bit, and we're, we're really not looking for you to raise your hand and say, you know, well, I I think I spent about three hours <laughs> the last week. No, that's not what we're looking for, but we're trying to. We're trying to make a connection here, a very important connection between saying that family is so important to us under God and then find out that maybe we're not putting it in the right priority in the practical daily life. So while you didn't have to answer that question out loud, we do want you to think about it. Yes. Clarification question. Yes. Okay, that's a good question. This is, this is the, the broader question. The, the one he asked is generic. You're actually together. Doesn't necessarily mean you're together 
Okay, that's a good, I, I like that. Well, that's she's right. That's, that's our third question coming. So well, before we get to that third question, really want you to think how much time were you physically together this past week? Just in your thoughts, don't answer us, but just both of you, all of you, children included, think how much time would you spend together as a family? Were you actually together, like sitting on the same row? That would count, okay? So think about that. Now here comes the next question. Y'all have that answered in your mind, right? Y'all have that answered in your mind? How much time in the last week have you spent together physically in the same area? Now here's a third question. Taking out or removing um, things like television, computers, and all the other things that you may be in the same room doing. <laughs> doing but you're not together removing all of those external things how much time have you spent as a family in togetherness in communication in just really connecting with one another those are some pretty pretty serious thought questions, right? Because as we shared at the beginning, life can be very busy, very intense. And we can think we're together because we, we're in the same house, we're under the same roof, we're actually in the same room. But we can be totally in our own world, sitting next to one another or sitting across from one another. So removing all of those things how much time did we actually spend together, either in activities, work projects, communication, whatever it may be, meals. meals, sitting together at the table? How much time did we actually spend together as a family? Think about that. You don't, again, don't answer us, but this is, these are the kind of questions that came to us. Because while we are trying to you know, get through life, shall we say, the reality of Christ and, and our heavenly home is not in, in our vision the way it should be. And yet, when, you, when we take time to pause and ponder, we take time to reflect, we take time to, to consider what are the most important things, as we did tonight, one of, we all agreed one of the most important things is our family, right? And we want to see our family in heaven. Are we in agreement with that? Absolutely. So for us and for all of us in this room, it means we have to take a serious look at where we're going in life to determine if we are really cap uh, capturing the time and using the time, utilizing the time effectively. So what we did is we just took 24 hours in a day, seven days, from last Friday to this Friday, and we realized that all of us should be getting some sleep during that time. But we took those hours, and we came up with 168 hours for the last seven days. So I want you to think now, again, just quickly reflecting, do you think that you spent five hours total in the last week without a TV, without an iPad, without an iPod, without a whatever, that you just spent time in communication around a meal table, sitting on the couch saying, how was it in school today? Or 
how, did, how are you doing with this, or how was it at work today? Five hours, okay? Again, you don't have to raise your hands, but if you only spent five hours, then you spent 3% of your week with the most important people in your lives, okay? We're just trying to put this in perspective because as these things came into perspective for us, we said something's got to change. We're being run by everything else. We're being run by everybody else. We're being run by, by things that we shouldn't be run by. Driven by our own desires and, and goals. Exactly, or <laughs> driven by the habits of television watching or surfing the web for two hours and saying, I don't have time for the children. Or being on Facebook. <laughs> Nothing wrong with any of these things that we, in and of themselves, okay? It's do they use us or do we use them? Do you get it? <laughs> because we can really be swallowed up by these things. Uh, I'm thinking of a lady and you don't know where she is in the world, so there's no names here. But this poor lady, we know her very well. Very sincere Christian. Believes that family is a 10, okay? No question. I mean, rah, rah, rah. She's right there. But that woman is so swallowed up by Facebook that even the people she communicates with on Facebook are saying, do you sit in front of this thing all day? You know, somebody posts something, and she's, she's responding to the post in three minutes. And they're going, what about your children? Now, that should be a call to the heart, right? A wake-up call. It and I'm, I'm sure that nobody here has that struggle. But I tell you, these things can swallow a person up, okay? And pretty soon... Just a side note here, okay? If you found in your honesty here tonight, if the Holy Spirit spoke to your heart and said, hey, it's less than five hours in the last week of real time together, less than 3%, then what we would encourage you to do is sit down and keep a journal for one week, okay? And be honest, because you can't hide this from God, <laughs> And you're sure not hiding it from your family. Because if they're not getting any more than 3% of your time, something's wrong. So mark down how much time you are on Facebook. Write it down. How much time you're surf surfing the net. Write it down. How much time you sat in front of the television. Write it down. How much time you spent texting. Write it down. <laughs> okay? Just giving you some ideas here. You can fill in these blanks. You may have some other blanks. And then match that against what's happening with the ones that we say are a 10. My family is important. I want to see my children in the kingdom of heaven. We want to see our spouse in the kingdom of heaven, right? Amen. We want to see our siblings in the kingdom of heaven. So it really is, it is a, a time, I think we're in the time that we really need to be honest with our own selves because we believe, or maybe, maybe we should ask this question, do we believe we are in 
the last days of this earth's history. Can we agree with that? Okay, so we're all, boy, we've got a, a good agreement here. We're 100% together. We believe that things are happening rapidly. So we don't have a lot of time to waste. Amen. We don't have any time to waste. And in reality, if this is our condition in our earthly families, likely it parallels or reflects our time with God as well. Because almost always, the first thing that gets cut when we get busy, whatever drives that busyness, is God and those closest by us. So maybe it would only be God and the family are getting 3% of time. So it's a serious thing to look at. But, you know, we live in a social networking society, don't we? Well, it's time that we socially network with God and with our families. And we can leave the devices behind, and we can use what God created in the beginning for, for humankind in communication. That was and, and nothing against them. I mean, my mother lives in California. We are very close. She's, our, she's in our family, and I communicate daily with her. If I'm in the U.S., I communicate daily, and I should say almost every day. I missed one day since I've been in Hawaii. I got messed up on the time, and when I realized it, I thought, well, she, it's almost midnight there, and she's in bed, and I'm not going to wake her up. <laughs> but you know, she missed that call the next day. When I called her, I said, Mother, I'll call you in the morning, because if I don't, by the, and I'm, on the, I'm further east of her in the mainland, so I call her in the evening, and it's, it's earlier there, but now I'm on the other side of her, so I have to call her in the morning so I can get her. But we can use these devices as a way to communicate. If your children aren't close by, these are wonderful ways to communicate, but let's use them for the right purpose, right, instead of just filling up our time that it divides the family. But we want to share with you, and this is a very powerful scripture found in the book of Malachi. Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament, and it has some incredible information for us, some incredible prophecy for us in regards to, it's the last book written prior to the first coming of Jesus Christ. But there's parallel prophecies here that Malachi states not only is what is going to prepare the people of Israel for the soon coming Messiah, but it's also what is going to prepare modern-day Israel, God's people, Christians, that means people who are learning to be Christ-like, who have Christ, Jesus Christ abiding as the Lord and Master of our hearts. It's the same prophecy that God is saying to us today. In preparation for his second coming, this needs to be in place. And it's found in Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers. Now, there may be a single parent here. If there is, that promise is still for that mother. God promises to be a father, a husband to those children. But parents... This idea is that fathers and mothers, we need to turn first our hearts to the children. Okay? Did God turn his heart to us first? Yes. While we were yet sinners? 
we need to be the ones to turn to our children. Sometimes we have parents, heartbroken parents, coming to us saying, my teenagers don't want anything to do with me. They don't want to talk to me. They want to talk to everybody else, but they, they don't want to talk to me. And many times, it's, it's the direct fruit of us not having time for them earlier in their lives. They were there saying to us, Mommy, Mommy, Daddy, can I? We're too busy, go play, whatever, whatever. And then when we want them to kick into gear, they're ready to move on to their friends, to their social connections, and it, we don't have the hearts of our children. It's time for us as parents to turn our hearts to our children. And the promise is <laughs> they will turn their hearts to us. So the point is we want to make our family a priority, right? And it's not going to happen by accident. It's not going to happen because we all came to church tonight and we heard this and we said, yeah, that's a good idea. We know we need to do it and let's go home and we're going to be different. It means we have to make conscious decisions. And not only must we decide what's going to change, but then we have to step forward and begin implementing. And that's the hardest part. It's one thing to get excited about it. It's another thing to make plans, but then it's another thing to actually carry through with those plans. So we're going to look at some solutions, and these are only to scratch the surface. God has a thousand ways to redeem us, doesn't he? He has a thousand ways to work through only our... Only one way to redeem us, but thousands yeah. of ways to reach us. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> one way to redeem us, a thousand ways to reach us, a thousand ways to work through the unique challenges, because if everybody had an opportunity to share all of our needs are slightly different. All of our circumstances are different. And so God wants to work individually with us, personally with us, because he's a personal God. So we're going to just look at some of the simple solutions. And here's one that is pretty basic, but it is almost lost in our modern American culture. And I will say it's almost lost in any first world culture. I don't know how it is in third world countries, but in first world countries, at least the ones we have traveled through, this is almost an extinct experience in families. It's sad. Can anybody, anybody want to make a guess what that might be? Yes. Exactly. I get it. Right on the head. It is almost extinct in families. That family, at the end of the day, or you know, early in the evening, when the day's work is done, when the schoolwork is done, when the day is basically over, when they come home together to be together as a family, they're under the same roof, but they aren't at the same table. And interesting that modern research is being done that has actually proved the negative effect, not on a spiritual level, this is not a spiritual survey, but on a social level and on the deterioration of what we see happening with teens and young people today. And so the research says that the family who eats dinner together every night around the table and then it's going to qualify what that means, without the TV going, so we're not sitting in front of the TV eating our dinner, the TV's not in the other room or in the dining room, you know, we're all kind of listening together and looking while we're eating, but we're all sitting around the table eating together with no TV, 
If the telephone rings, someone doesn't run up and jump up and answer, you let the answering machine, the voicemail, or whatever take care of that, because we have great technology that we don't have to be run by those phones. So the phone is unanswered, the TV's off, there's no texting at the table, there's no outside influence, it's simply the family, whether that's two, and in our family now, we have an extended family, but at home it's two of us, that we communicate about the day. Actually, we talk to one another. Okay. That's what it's talking about. And for those of you who have children, it includes them. You talk about your day. How was it in each of your children? How was it in school today if they're in school? How was it in your playtime? You communicate the father with his children, the children with their mother, the mother with the husband, and vice versa. So this is all happening around the table. Everyone sharing about their day. That's one simple thing. And the results of this one thing are phenomenal in the positive results. Here's what they have found, that in these homes where this happens, and they're really doing it to measure, they were doing it to measure the uh, academics and the, re the influence on children. So we know if it has a positive influence on children, it also has a positive influence on us as adults, right? It has to have the same. And so we, they have found that in homes where this happens, that the children academically achieve higher, always. The, in all cases. In all cases, it's 100%. Secondly, it, they've also proved that a family, making this one aspect of family togetherness, family first, a priority of just having dinner together every night around the table and communicating about real life and the real day that everybody experienced, those young people not only do better academically, but they also do not get involved with drugs, alcohol, and tobacco at, at least at the same level of those children who do not have that experience. It, it significantly drops those issues that are quite challenging to young people today. And lastly, physiologically, those children in the families who have this experience at home who may be asthmatic, they actually improve, they, they take less medicine, they're less using their inhalers for their asthma because asthma is, is a stress-related disease or illness. So they prove these things medically, they prove them socially by not getting involved in some of those social vices that, that, that uh, are debilitating to people, and they have proved that it works in um, the family for better communication. And so this wasn't a, a church study. Oh no. This is just in the world, okay? So that's no help from God. Of course, God is working. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Even when every good gift and yeah, every perfect gift, even if they don't know it, but here's just one thing that anybody could do, and it, you know, this is done. The study was done about meal time, but the the it wouldn't have to be a supper meal. What it's saying is there's a time that the family cares enough and prioritizes life enough to say we're all coming together. One at least one time a day, we're going to do this. And it will have, come on in. It will have a positive impact. <laughs> Would you write this 
will have a positive impact. So what happens if we are in a strained relationship? Strained or strange? Strained. Okay. Did it sound like strange? Well, I just making sure it came no. out right. I meant strained. Like there's tension. Tension in the relationship. And let's be honest, we've all had that, right? Even in the best of marriages, you can have some strain at times. So whatever, whatever the level of the relationship, God wants to improve it to make it better. Do you believe it can keep getting better and better and better? Amen. Amen. Until it's the best, and we won't even know how to define best because best keeps getting better until we're in heaven. Then we will understand what is best. So if there is stress or tension in the relationship, don't wait. Don't ignore it. But begin immediately yourself to initiate for reconciliation. Don't wait for the other person. Don't wait for your child. Don't wait for your parent. Don't wait for your sibling. Begin yourself to look to begin to reconcile. And most stress, most tension in relationships come as the result of misunderstandings. Mm -hmm. And those happen because of lack of good communication. So as we learn to communicate, we see that it reduces those opportunities for misunderstandings. When the misunderstandings reduce, we have less stress in relationships. So whatever kind of relationship, if it's some member of your family that is not close by, then you have these technical devices that you can use, email, telephone, whatever. You can even write a letter, and maybe that's even more personal. So however you handle it, and ask God to help you know how to, to reach the heart of that other person. I want to share with you another scripture that, that's important to this topic of family first. Colossians 3.21, and this is bringing it back again now to fathers, or we'll say parents. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Okay, so what does this mean? One of the greatest provocations in family today is the frustration that young people experience that their parents have no time for them. And another survey was done, and it was a non-spiritual, non-Christian survey, and it simply asked, school-aged children, what is the best gift that your parents could give you? Pretty interesting question, huh? So your mind immediately thinks, well, you know, <laughs> my son might say this, my daughter might say this. The overwhelming response in this survey is time with mom and dad. And people say, oh, that's not my, that's not my kid. <laughs> they don't want time. Oh, yes, they do. They do want time, but they, they've gotten frustrated because mom and dad are too busy. And mom and dad are usually too busy doing everybody else's business, okay? The church's business. <laughs> oh, please don't misunderstand me. The church business needs to be done. 
But I don't know how it is here on the Big Island, but I know that in the churches we've been in over the years, we've, you know, I was personal ministries director for a 1,300-member church back in the suburbs of Chicago. And it was the same in that church as it was in our little Eureka church. A few people do most of the work. Doesn't need to be this way, but it just tends to play out that way. And so some people take all the work on their back, or they do all the work that people at this, the school board want them to do, or they do all the work that some community organizers want them to do, or they, they're just naturally doing these kinds of things, or they do nothing at all, okay? But in any case, most of the frustration that comes to young people is that mom and dad don't have time for us, okay? Mom and dad are too busy. Mom and dad say later, and children want this time. We made a commitment when we left our suburban rat race. Yes, that's the word. When we left that, very successful in our employment, people thought we were crazy to leave our medical careers. But it was one of the best decisions we ever made in our lives. Because we wanted to hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And see the crown of life placed upon the heads of our children. And we knew it wasn't going to happen in the rat race we were in and living life the way we were living it. But I tell you that when we made the decision to come out, we said we're going to spend at least one hour a day with our children in the evening. Is that a big commitment? <laughs> well, it seemed like it sometimes, but I tell you what, they're all grown up now. I have no regrets. Do you? No. Did we always do it right? No. No. But most, most of the time, there were less exceptions than there were doing it, right? Mm -hmm. And I tell you, our children have thanked us so many times. And I can't remember the things I gave up to spend time the things that didn't get done that day. <laughs> but I tell you what, I can remember, I could tell you a whole host of things that we did special with our children day after day, evening after evening, because we made the commitment that we're going to take time to listen to our children. Gonna let them talk, gonna listen, gonna respond to them, and it makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. One of the things we found very helpful was to uh, institute what we called family council. And that's where the family just gets together, and we had family talk time every night, too, for a few minutes, right before family worship. These are all ways to connect as family. There's no outside sources, you know, vying for attention and time. But we're focused as a family. We have fun together. We talk together. We worship together. And we're going to be talking more about this tomorrow in the last presentation reaching the heart but we just want to touch on family councils this is an opportunity where we can sit down as a family and if there's anything any issue any problem this is where we talk about it what tends to happen is I see a problem he's busy I'm busy I get distracted I don't deal with the problem and the problem gets a little bigger and then it gets a little bigger until I it bugs me I'll just be that frank and we, we want to handle it, but we're, we're under pressure. We don't have a lot of time, so we want to handle it. So we jump in there, and we often jump in to handle it in the wrong way, either out of frustration, 
irritation, impatience. Don't ask enough questions. Don't ask enough questions. You come in there, you start telling, you did this, you did this, you did this, and now you're in trouble, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And that does not connect in the family. It doesn't, doesn't work solve, in a relationship, yeah. in a marriage. It doesn't work parent-child relationship. It doesn't work sibling relationships. It always, that's one of those absolute, it always brings misunderstanding and hurt. So family councils is a good place to bring up. When you start to see something veering off course, whoever identifies it, and it could be the children, it could be a parent, we say, okay, this is what we see. We'd like to have a family council. Let's talk about what's happening here. Why are we starting to, you know, get off? Or why are, you know, you children not getting along as well as you used to? Or why are you, mother, more impatient than you used to be? Or why? And so we bring these concerns, these problems before the family. And we talk about them. We look for the cause, and we deal with the cause. Most often, we try to deal with the symptoms and not the cause. We learned this in our medical careers. You know, if a doctor just treats symptoms, you still have the cause. It's not changing. It's just that your symptoms are kind of masked over. But it doesn't mean you're a healthy person. It means you're actually worse than you were. You want to find the cause of the illness. You want to find the cause of the disease and deal with the cause so that you're not just treating the symptoms. So that's the benefit of family counsel. And a family counsel, when, when we would have our family counsels, it meant that everyone got an opportunity to speak without being interrupted. This is important, okay? It wasn't just a time where mom and dad came and we laid down the law and we said, look, this has got to change. No, it was a time we came together and we would talk, and sometimes we, we gave our children permission that they could call a family council, okay? That if they had something on their mind, something that was bothering them or something that needed to be resolved, they could call a family council so that that evening we would come together and the person that called it got the first chance to take the floor. And they got to speak what was on their heart and everybody listened. Nobody cut them off, nobody interrupted, everybody listened. When they got the chance to share, then the people, all of us, got to respond. And when we would identify what was wrong, what had happened, then everybody got to participate in looking for a solution. It was amazing that your children, and we've seen this with many other, because we've been sharing this concept of family councils for many, many years. Many times, your children will have better solutions and better corrections than parents will have. Okay? So let your children talk. Let them understand what's taking place. Let them, let them own what's taking place. Let them take responsibility. That's what I mean by let them own what, let them take responsibility and then let them talk about solutions, come together, make the decisions and say, okay, how are we gonna proceed from here? Part of what we do in a family, if family is really first, is we protect our family, okay? Mm -hmm. One of the things that's lost in this generation or is quickly being lost is that parents are letting the devil, through all means of media, destroy the, the sanctity of the home and the family with, without even knowing what's happening. Many parents today don't even know what their children are listening to on iPads, iPods, <laughs> iPod, Pad, all these different things. They don't know what they're finding on the internet. They, 
they're giving them cell phones. They don't know what they're texting. They, they're just letting the children run the family without the maturity to know that they're not ready to handle these, the, these electronic devices. And the children, we see it everywhere we go, the children are getting younger and younger and younger. And the education in the schools of things that we should be educating our children at the appropriate time is getting younger and younger and younger. Things that our children should not be learning at six and eight years old are being taught to our young people because we are not, as parents, protecting our young people. We need to protect them in their associations. We need to protect them in what's coming into their auditory, their, you know, through every sense. We need to protect them, but many times in today's generation, parents are too busy, or parents say everybody does it. Everybody's doing it now. Well, <laughs> it didn't matter to us that everybody was doing it, because what everybody was doing in Noah's day brought a flood on the world. Okay? And what everybody was doing in Sodom and Gomorrah brought fire down on that place. And you know the end of the story. What's going to be happening in our world? It's getting worse. It's not getting better. Mm -hmm. We have a responsibility as parents, as grandparents. You know, I, we hear parents who are now grandparents saying, I wish I would have known this when my children were. It's not too late. Amen. <laughs> you still have an influence on your children. I don't care how old they are. They still, especially if they see you changing, what changes you will have an influence in changing them. Amen. Okay? I can tell you many beautiful stories. But we need to protect our children from the influences that are destined to destroy them in our world today. And we just want to mention also that the family council can be used to plan things. And that's a very positive thing. It's not just, and, and, and it is positive to, to bring problems before the family, but it's also positive to plan special events. Even if it's just, what are we going to do for recreation this evening? Or what are we going to do, you know, for the weekend? Are we going to go to the beach and go, what do you do over here? Snorkel. That's what we like to do. Um, what are we, you know, let's plan these outings. Let's do little things. And I know there's some of you who are older, like we are older and our children are grown and gone, but we still need to do this. Amen. We found out that when all of our children were gone, you know what happened? We became workaholics <laughs> because we, we have this ministry and the needs are great. The, you know, we, we reach people around the world and so time, is, time zones are now barriers and not so much the phone ringing anymore, but emails come in, and you think you just get this last one done, last one done, last one done. And unlike our nursing or our medical professions, when I used to go to work, and when I left work, somebody else did all the work. And when I came back, when, when I got home, I was free. In the ministry, when we leave, we don't come back and everything's done. We come back and things are like this when we get home. The emails are stacked up. The phone messages are stacked up. The constant appointments are stacked up. So there's a tendency to think, we don't have children. So let's just pour ourselves. If we can just get this done, then we'll have more time. And this went on for a few months. And when I finally recognized one day, I said, honey, we need to take time for ourselves just the way we used to do it when the children were at home, when the children were at home or when the children were at home. You know, as they grew up, even in their teen years and early 20s, before they left home, we still had that time. Every evening was family talk time. Every evening was family worship time. Every evening was, was built around the family. And we needed that. And we saw the difference that it made. 
we had much more connection instead of being driven by the work that's there. So plan things together. We plan things together, even though it's just the two of us. And it is a lot of fun. It keeps the heart tender. It keeps communication open. And it makes love grow. So. Another scripture that uh, applies very closely to family first. And it's 1 Timothy, the fifth chapter, and verse 8. It says, but if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Wow. We don't want to be infidels, do we? God is calling for us to make our families, our homes, a first priority under God. Amen. And if we're not going to provide for our own home, and sometimes, you know, uh, we can read this and think that just means, you know, I've got to make a good living. No, it's not, it's not what it's talking about. Yes, we do need to provide financially for our family. But it's saying we need to really take care of our own household, okay? Not let the devil bind the strong man of the house and then ravage the family, which another scripture talks about. So we know that this is, uh, is a very strong counsel from the Lord because it says here that he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Now, that's pretty strong language, isn't it? It means we can, we can have the Bible, we can talk the talk, and we can sound real good, and we can look good up front on Sabbath morning, and we can say, hey, brother, happy Sabbath. And we could be not providing for the needs of our own home, not providing the leadership that we need to in our own homes, not providing the example, the influence in our own homes, and be worse than infidels and denying the very faith that we profess. And this is one of the things that is causing our young people in the Seventh-day Adventist church to leave by too large a number. We hear it everywhere we go in the world. The young people cannot cope with hypocrisy. Did you know that? Young people cannot cope with hypocrisy. Now, unfortunately, they learn as they get out in the tough world, they learn how to become hypocrites if they don't really find that solid connection with Christ. But they shouldn't be learning that in our homes, friends. They should be learning the integrity of the scriptures. They should be learning that we really live what we preach. They shouldn't just be us looking one way on Sabbath and live in a completely another, another way during the week. That hypocrisy drives young people away from the church. Away from God. Away from God, yes. Because it gives them the wrong picture of who God is because that isn't how God is. And so if you find yourself in a situation where you're, you're living a double standard, God is, at, is calling to us to make a change. So we've been talking about some solutions here. And the first one we said was very simple. Just simply have one meal together every day. And if you can do breakfast and dinner, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, the more you have, the better communication, the closer you will be as a family. We also talked about having family councils together. Talk about what the areas we want to grow in as a family. 
Where are weaknesses? How can we strengthen those? What can we do to uh, plan for fun things together as families? That's another avenue. We talked about, go ahead, honey. We didn't talk about. Oh, I'm getting there. Oh, go ahead. Okay. It, we also talked about um, protecting our families, not just the children, but we need to be sensitive that we just don't see anything that comes across the web either. In other words, to what we call why sheltering. Let's not let our minds be taken away by what's acceptable in our society. Let's let our minds be dwelling on what God says is holy, pure, just, lovely, and of good report. And then we talked also about our spiritual connection to strengthen the family, to make our family first. And lastly, we want to talk about how, what are we going to do? Let's do some math here. If you add one more thing into the day, what must happen? Are you going to get an extra hour a day to get it done in? No. It's only possible to have 24 hours a day. So if you add something else in, guess what that means? Something, has to drop. <laughs> something is removed. And at the beginning, we talked about, and I think we're pretty much in agreement, those two things that go first are God and those who are closest to us, our family, our spouse, our children. Because they'll understand. Because they'll understand. God understands if I don't have any time for him this morning. I've got so many things to do. Well, God understands better than we do that we can't live that way. We can't survive that way without God. That's right. So we cannot add more in. So we need to get on the other side of the equation. Let's start looking and evaluating what do we fill our days up with that, can, that are unnecessary, that can go. And those are hard things to look at because in reality, unless we stop and we really closely take a heartfelt look according to our priorities, what we all agreed at, right? Family, a big 10. If we don't do that, we don't think there's anything unimportant we can take out of our day. But there's got to be something removed in order to add in what's best. We might find out that, um, well, for us, we were both raised in homes that had TV, okay? And I was a TV addict. That's, that's what I was, okay? I was one of these people that when I turned on the TV... Glued. I mean, yeah, and if that wasn't, if I, if that wasn't good, I'd just keep flipping through the channels. There's got to be something I can sit here and look at for an hour, okay? Or two, or, two three or three or four. Or three or four hours would slip away, and just it's, it's worse than a waste of time in most cases, Okay? So if, if you find yourself in a situation where you say, well, I don't know where I'm going to get any, I, I don't know where I can get in a half an hour out of the day. Well, <laughs> I think that the Lord will do the same thing for you as he did for me. When I, when I thought I couldn't find anything else, because we said we're not going to have a TV when we got married, and we, we didn't, and, and the Lord blessed that. But I still said I need to find more time because I'm still not spending enough time with, with, my, with my Father in Heaven and with my family. And so I was on my knees one night, and the Lord said, I was, where, where can I cut? How about the softball team? The softball team? I'm the chaplain of the team. They need me. I have prayer with them before I, I pr we play we the pray, game. We pray before <laughs> we play. I help them have a good spirit when we're out there and not, not being so competitive. Can you hear those justifications? Well, I was asking, where can I get more time? 
Well, that was the beginning for me to let go of a whole string of competitive sports, playing them, watching them. That, that's a different subject. That's not our subject for tonight. But I tell you, we can find time. If family is really a 10, we can find time. Amen. And I don't miss that. You know, instead I transferred all that energy with good recreation with our children. Instead of, you know, getting them into the competitive sports, I was so fiercely competitive. All I knew was you play to win and you do whatever you had to do to win. That's, that's the way I grew up. I played baseball and I played to win. I played football, I played to win. When I played tennis, I played to win. That's all I thought about. And we channeled all that energy into wholesome recreation. We started, we started backpacking together, canoeing, camping. We, when we go out and play a game together, we go out and play soccer together, but we didn't do it with the, the desire to be the winner. We just had fun. And when somebody on the other team kicked a goal, you know, great job. Some of our friends, when they played with us, couldn't understand that. Why, why are you saying great job? He just scored a goal. Yeah, well, that's great. We're just having a good time together. We don't have to. But you can, God can change that, and he can take our recreation, and he can make it wholesome and fun and not a, you know, kind of kill them, get them kind of thing. And I know that God will work in each of our hearts. He's worked in our hearts, and he, he continues to work on our hearts because we, we definitely haven't arrived yet, that's for sure. We definitely so, haven't. <laughs> subtract. Look at the things we can cut out, even if it's 15 minutes a day. That 15 minutes reinvested into your family will make a huge difference because we work on addition and subtraction, and God works on multiplication. Amen. So the blessings are multiplied even though we can only add 15 minutes a day. Right. And the more we add, the more blessings we receive, and the more motivated we are to add more. And it doesn't just stop within the family, because when we have a happy family, that family becomes an instrument in the hands of God to, be, to include others in, to reach out to others who are hurting. And there's lots of people who are hurting. There's lots of people who don't have a happy family. And they, they need us to embrace them, to include them. So let's look at how, what we can take out. Be open and honest on your knees before the Lord. Don't be afraid of it because God never takes away anything that's for, not for our good. That's he, right. it's, it's not going to make us happy. Everything he does for us is with one purpose, to make us happy and better prepared to live with him for eternity. That's a win-win situation, right? So we should be getting excited about this rather than thinking, oh, what if it's, you know, what if it's my knitting class or what if it's this or what if it's that? <laughs> I know it sounds ridiculous, but you know there's a lots of things that consume our time that we need to really open up our hearts before God and say, Lord, you prioritize my life. Can we trust God that much? We need to trust God that much. He really does, and he really wants to be the Lord and the master of our lives. Amen. And when we, by faith, make that step and allow him that entrance into our heart, he's the decision maker, wow, he has some incredible decisions that he makes, and we find the blessing of that, the happiness, the results of that. So it's uh, a very good thing. So let's be willing to have God evaluate it, 
be willing to let the Lord lead and then take those steps and we'll see the blessings. In closing, we want to sing a song. It's that scripture that we, we shared with you, Malachi 4, verses 5 and 6. And one of the things that we enjoyed doing together as a family was singing together. We miss our young people. Um, it's not the same, just the two of us singing yeah. together. It doesn't fill it out quite the same. But this is a song about turning the hearts of the fathers to the children. And so we'll sing that in closing. Behold, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet. Behold, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet. Before the coming of that great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And he will turn the heart of the fathers to the children. And the hearts of the children to their fathers. The heart of the children to their fathers. Malachi 4, 5 and 6. Amen. Can we kneel together as we close?